0: I-V-M.
1: Hello and welcome to the Habit Coach Podcast. I'm Ashton, doctor, your Habit Coach. And today we have a very, very exciting podcast. This is something that I've been waiting for, for a very really long time. We've had a few scheduling difficulties, but it's finally happening. We have Gabe Harilmo on the podcast and we're going to be talking about his amazing book, how to make champions. Now, Gabe is a tennis coach. And while well, the entire book is about sports, I'm not a sports person, but I took a lot of things out from a business point of view as a habit coach. So those are the things that I love about the book because it is so expansive. Gabe, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast and welcome to the Habit Coach podcast.
0: No, and doctor, to me, I'm so excited about this. I follow some of your podcasts. I love what you try to transmit to the people. And I think you, what you do is, is so important for everybody. I, I mean, I've been waiting for the podcast. This is really exciting for me. So much love. Thank you. Thank you. Gabe, um, just can, I, can you tell us a little bit about you? How did you get into coaching? What is your background? Uh, I grew up in a household of high-performance athletes. My mother was an Olympic uh, swimming coach. To tell you the truth, uh, our house or our home resembled like a military barracks. Wow. With the 5 a.m. wake up calls, everybody was up. At that time, everybody had to be ready. But the, the interesting thing is we were very young. I was eight, my brother was seven. And since that age, we had to have all our equipment ready the night before. And it was our responsibility. It was not my parents, it was not the mates. It was our responsibility. In our house, we were fortunate enough to have our own swimming pool. We had our own gym. And so at five o'clock in the morning, we were practicing. But everything started from the night before. How would the preparation had to be perfect. So that's something that those routines that to me helped me for the rest of my life, you know, being prepared the night before, knowing that the day start very early, that we have no time to waste, that we had a sense of urgency from the very beginning. To me those those part of the routine that helped you know helped me a lot. And uh, you know and the key to, to me is the consistency. You know, my mom used to say you have to be consistent with, with your routines. And also, it's, it's like a like lesson in sports. If you get the wrong routines, if you got the wrong habits, to change them later on is very difficult. So, you might as well start with the proper routines right away. You better start with the routines that are going to help you and you don't have to change later on. But that's something that we learn, you know, from, from, the, very, from the very, very beginning. It's it's amazing because you
1: were you were put into this right from the beginning the way that your parents structured this for you. But what were you feeling at that time? Was it something that was feeling forced? Was
0: this just the way of life? What was the feeling at that time? Well, my mother was an Olympic swimming coach, so she, he was very motivational. Every time we did it right, she really you know gave us a lot of courage, a lot of encouragement. What we were doing was the right thing. You know, they treated us like like professional. Since the very beginning, we were professional athletes. It's not like one day you will make it. No, no, no. At, at 8 years old, they treated us like professionals. So every time we did something right, they tell us that's the way we did it wrong. That it was a way for them to tell us hey, that's not your brand. You know that 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 that's not the brand of a champion. So this is the way you need to do it. So we grew up with that mentality. And me, you know, I, I know that I. Basically, I grew up knowing that I was going to be a coach. I had it in every cell of my body. I feel it in, in every bone. You know, I'm a coach. And uh, as a coach, yes, like you, because you are a coach, is what do we try to do? We, our, our joy is, is to give our knowledge to the people so they can improve. That that's, that's that's what we live for. We don't live for the money. We don't live for the fame. You, you know, we are there to to help people. That that's That's what we're all about. And you've coached some amazing athletes over
1: the years, right? Can you just name a few for our audience to create a connect and understand
0: like, you know, what level of athlete we're talking about? Well, this is a difference. You say I Mm. coach, but but, uh, Mm. to me, I didn't coach him. I Mm. made him. I I made those players, you know, I I made champions. And and, And that is with me and my buddies knowing that, you know, I get them when they are very, very young and I take them all the way until they are stars, you know, so, I had players like uh, Sharapova, like Monica Sellers, like uh, Pete Sampras, like Andre Agassi, you know, on and on and on. I mean, there's so many of them, but it's been very, uh, it's beautiful to look back, to you know that I put so much effort into it and to see how well these people did, you know, even though sometimes as coaches, we don't have as much uh, a recognition as as they do, but we feel very proud for them. So it's, 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 it's like I was saying before, it's part of our, is part of what, what we do, is part of who, who we are, you know? And uh, people ask me a lot of times, in those players, you know, what do they have in common? Because where there were so many of them, 11 number ones in the world, 27 wow. top 10 in the world. You know, people ask me, what do they have in common? And I always said that, uh, that there is a difference, people don't understand, but it's a difference between talent and potential. You know, and, and talent, I, I could be the best coach in the world, but if I don't have a talented player, I won't be able to make that player. I need that player to have that talent for me to be able to take him to the stardom. So, but recognize recognized talent is, is easy. You know, is how fast they move, how easily they move, if they have easy power, you know, they, that their physical part is very easy to recognize. Now, the other part is a little more difficult, you know, if with the potential, because the potential has a lot of intangibles. And one of the intangibles that it has is if they have the right routines from the very beginning. If you see a player that from the very beginning, they don't have the right routines, you know, they're not gonna make it because they don't have the discipline and they don't have the commitment. Because high performance is the same as, uh, as having the right routines. To me, it's two words. It's commitment and discipline, right? I mean, you, you, you know that. Correct. So all those players, when they were very young, I remember Sharapova, nine years old. She will, if I tell the practice starts at eight o'clock in the morning. She was there half an hour earlier making sure that she was ready. And at 8 o'clock, she was hitting balls. She, wasn't, she didn't have time to waste, but all of them did it the same. If I told them practices at 8 o'clock, they were there at 7.30. And I have a f- interesting story to show you how we, as coaches, it was our mentality. You know, Boris Becker, when he tried to regain his number one in the world, he came to train with us. So we talked the night before, and we told him practice 10 o'clock in the morning. He showed up at 10.15. You know, when he showed up, you know, Red Amy, which was the, the, the coach that was taking care of the court, told him, hey, that number one in the world stays outside the door. Tomorrow, you don't hear on time, you don't practice. And, and that was part of our mentality as coaches, so to make sure that they have basically, that they had the, the, the right routines and the respect for, for the practice. So talking about the, the potential routines, a very important part for example like i was telling you if i told them they have to be at eight o'clock in the morning they were there at 7 30 every single one of them all the routines that they had at the end of the day at the end of the day pete sampras every day that he served his first serve agassi served every day but the interesting thing is is my brother for example to give you an example my brother competed in the, in the olympic games munich and montreal he was an olympic swimmer he was shorter. He was only five, eight and a half, but all the other guys were six feet and a half. So he knew that for him, the takeoff and the turns were very important. So every day, after everybody was gone, when the swimming pool was empty, he was on his own taking, you know, going out, getting back again, getting out, repetition, 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 but repetition to make sure that he had the right routine. So all of this was the routine. And the tennis players did the same. What happens with some of them that didn't make it? One day they would practice the surf. Another day they would practice the forehand. Another day they wouldn't come. We were talking about Monica Celas, you and me, before we started the podcast. Hmm. What what made Monica Celas the best player in the world was her routines. Her routines were absolutely perfect. The amount of repetition that she did, the way she did it, it it was just, it was just perfect. That's what she was unbeatable. So that's, that's the important that in sports, which I think also in life, you know, that the routines have. But like I said at the beginning, it's two words, is commitment and it's discipline.
1: How do you suggest parents who are listening to this podcast build this routine of discipline into their children?
0: I think what happens in a lot of uh, parts of the world is the parents, uh, they, they are overprotective. So they, they want to do everything for their children. If they are eight years old, for example, if they come to the academy and they are not prepared, because my mother didn't put my my water jug or my mother didn't put my rackets or my mother put the wrong shoes, they don't play because it's not the mother's responsibility. It, it is the player's responsibility. And we try to teach that to the parents. Many times you see that the parents here, they carry the, the student's rackets or they carry the golf bag. And I say, no, 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 that's not, your, that's not your duty. That is the player's duty. That is his responsibility. So sometimes the parents need to make sure, first of all, that the, that the kids have the right routines. For example, if it's to have the clothes ready for the next day to go to school, that, that's their children's responsibility. not the parents' responsibility. Little things like that that are going to help the children become champions. Because remember, we, what we're trying to do is we create champions for life. Not only that they become the best tennis player, or the best golfer in the world, the best soccer player, is we want to make sure that we make champions for life. And routines are very important. I was talking to to my wife, my wife is very disciplined. And she was saying, how many people in January, they go, okay, I'm gonna lose weight, I'm gonna do this this year, they have all this, but they never follow through. Okay. I mean, they say they're gonna do it, I mean, it's part it's part of of, of the, what we're talking about, it is part of those routines that are so important, but the parents need to start putting that into the children from from the from the very beginning. Little, little stuff, have your books ready, have your, your clothing ready before, all that needs to be before.
1: So getting the routine in place of being prepared, I think that's a fantastic way of getting that habit into the children saying that, look, this is your responsibility. We are supporting you in everything. I need to see that you're making this change for yourself. You're making this particular routine and discipline for yourself. I think that makes a big difference.
0: Makes a big, big difference. You know, and that's something that's going to help them for the rest of their lives. You know, same thing, you know, know, being on time, Being that's a responsibility that the children have to have. You know, and the parents need to give that also to the children to make sure if they make a mistake, oh, it's okay. Let them make the mistake, but they have to learn from it. Yes. And, and the other part, I think, sometimes when we talk about routines, when we talk about parents, is, is sometimes the parents don't understand. They think they know the children better and they don't let them speak. And I think it's better that, you know, if, if he did something wrong, if he didn't do the routine or whatever, let him explain why. Maybe he had the right reason, then give him a little room. And then get them back to, to to the routines. But like, like, like I was saying before, you know, that to, to me repetition is, is key. Because the repetition is, is the easiest way to become proficient in anything you do. Repetition is is, is the base for for everything, and is the base when we're talking about the routines. You know, if you look at the routines, we can talk a lot. We can talk about what the players do before, during, after practice. I mean, they all have the same set of routines. And most of these players in life, they were very they were very successful because they were able to apply the same routines and whatever they did in life. And I made a lot of number ones in the world, but I met a lot of more players that didn't make it, but today they're very successful doctors, lawyers, you know, business people, yes, because what they learned with the sport.
1: I think what you said is so important that you had 11 number one champions, that became number one in in tennis, but they bec- but the others became champions in life. You've coached eleven world number ones. What are like five habits that you saw that were very very similar across all of them? It could be their pregame habit, it could be their practice habit, it could be mindset habits. Anything that you sh- you looked at and said, "Wow,
0: this is something that makes a champion." Because hmm. talent and potential, they are not the same. So those habits are what we're looking for for the potential. So. The first habit that you know we always look for is, that we talked about before, is making sure they have the right, the right repetitions, the right uh, routines coming on time. And the, the second is to make sure, for example, all of them at, at the end of the practice, they were very good about understanding what they had learned that day. But they were young, they were little kids. They will come to me and say, okay, this is what I got today out of the practice. What do you think, coach? And I'm talking about little kids. The, the other part that they did is they all practice at the end of the day on their own. I mean, I probably told them once, And hey, you have to practice yourself on your own, you know, and they did it on their own. They, nobody had to push them. Nobody had to go and look for them. Nobody had to chase them down. You know, they did it on their own D- during tournaments. For example, I, I give you an idea on why also they are so important to me. The, the routines are so important. Agassi, Agassi will go to a tournament and what people don't don't know is that during the tournament, People practice, you know, the professional players, they have courts aside for them to practice before their matches. But when those players leave, the, the court is a mess. They have towels everywhere, tennis balls, tennis cans, turn grips, uh, the, I mean, a mess. Agassi, every time he came on the court, he cleaned the court. He spent five, six minutes, but that court had to be spotless before he started the practice. Every time that's, that was his routine. And, when we ask him why do you do that, he said, "If the court is clean, it gives me a sense of calmness. You know, if the court is a mess, you know, I have that in my mind that something is wrong." And that's what you see also, for example, with with uh Nadal, you see Nadal all the stuff that he does, you know, before he starts the match, he lineups the bottles, uh, he looks at the stands. It's always the same routine, and and he, it's not because he people tell him a, a lot of times, "Well, it's superstition." And he goes, "No." It is is a way for me to calm my mind. It's for me to know everything is organized, everything is in order. So that that's what people need to understand. That routines give you is calmness. If if you're ready to, to go to a meeting, if you are ready, you know to to have the most difficult meeting, but you are ready, you you're calm. But but if things aren't ready, things are out of place. If, if even the office, you know, like these players, for example, before the matches, they go and they check the court they're gonna play on. Because many times they don't know that court. So they said they play on court two and they never play on that court. They go the night before. And they visualize the court. They visualize where their fans are gonna be, where their uh family is gonna sit, where the coaches are gonna sit, where they they visualize all that. You know, and I see also when these people became business people, they did the same. They they went to the office that they were gonna have the meeting. They wanted to see the office, where they're gonna sit, where the people I mean, so when they go to the meeting they, they are very prepare mentally. They're prepared. They're calm because they know everything is in order. So that's, that's one of the advantages that all these people had in, 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 terms of routine. And I, and I keep going down on how many of the, of those routines that you said that they had in common, you know, but it was all of them. It wasn't like it was one or two of them. It's like all of them had the same, same routines that they made better. They made more perfect, you know, every time. And, 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 and the, and the part with the routine that, uh, that I think is key is uh, is the degree of discipline and respect that they have for them. Every time when they did this routine, they were striving for perfection. It wasn't a the, no, no. Every time the routine had to be better. Every time the routine had to be more perfect. And, and to me, that's the part that is very important for them to understand. It's not just to go through the motions. No, 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 the routine has to have a purpose, you know? And if you go through those routines and you are prepared, your chances of succeed are a lot higher that you don't go through those routines. So that's part of what the champions mentality, that's the way, that's the way they think. Amazing. It's absolutely fantastic. How would they have learned these
1: across the board? You know, like when you're talking about the way that everyone was looking at cleanliness, like Nadal and Agassi, how did they learn it? Like, was it something that was innate in them? They picked it up because they would come to coach with you. Where, where would they learn these things
0: from? Most of the time, we try to inculcate those routines into the children from a very young age. And like I said, the ones that were disciplined, the ones that we know are gonna make it, they did it. The other ones, we had to keep pushing them, they were not doing them, you know. And there were some, some of them with a lot of talent, but they were not disciplined enough. They were not committed enough. And those are the children that, that basically didn't make it. Routines play a very, very important part. We as coaches can give them the, the, the the first instruction. We as coaches can motivate them to do it, but it has to come from them. But but that's that's part of it. The, the other part, for example, the routines, because it, like I said, I divided it in different parts. One is, you know, the repetition. The second one is the routines. But then we have rituals, and then rituals are little little things that people do between, for example, uh, points to create a sense of stability. To me put it this way if you look at nadal again all this stuff that he does before he serves all these little things all this but that slows him down when if, if you look at uh djokovic he bounces the ball so many times before he serves but that also slows him down what happens is most of the time when the players are losing they have the tendency to speed up they have to play faster the one that is served even faster and rather than recuperate the bigger hole so all these players have have rituals. If you look at Sharapova, after every point, she changed the racket to the other hand. She goes, come on. You know, she turns around. She goes facing the back fence. And, you know, I mean, she does 15 seconds. That's what it takes. But she does it every single time. Every time. Those are the little rituals that are part of the routines, but we call them rituals, that they have to do when the match is going on, when they are in, in the heat of the battle. and, and they have to have those rituals. If they don't have them, you know, they stay, they, they, they lose a lot faster. They move a lot faster. So th- those rituals, which are part of the routines, but I call them rituals, and, you know, they're also very important. And that's why you see so many basketball players, you know, b- b- before they shoot or the soccer player, before they kick the penalty, you know, doing all the stuff that they do, all that, all those little rituals that are making them feel more comfortable. And at the same time, they're going to, you know, slow them down.
1: So a calm player is a far better player than, than one that is aggressive in that sense.
0: Well, they slow down. All, all mm-hmm. the players, the, the better the player, the more sense they have that in a very critical point, they're going to slow down. Mm-hmm. You know, and I see a lot, I think we can compare that to a business person. If he's in a meeting, rather than that responding right away very fast, and if he comes down and, and thinks twice before he speaks up or, or even takes a bathroom break, you know I mean, that's going to slow him down. To be able to have control over the meeting because sometimes mm-hmm. I think they lose the control over the meeting. The same way these, these athletes lose control over the match when they are not able to control their environment, when they're not able to control their, what they have control over because you have control over that part. So okay. the, those rituals that are part of the routines that they have to, in, we have to engrave in them and they have to understand how important they are because it, it, it takes discipline. You know, and, and at, the, at the beginning, it takes effort to make sure they're able to do it. It's a lot easier to rush rather than slow down and do it. All right, we're going to come back to the podcast after a quick
1: break. Welcome back to the Habit Coach Podcast. Let's continue. Gabe, I had an interesting question for you. This is something that I was thinking about when I, when I had the opportunity to interview you is that, you know, as a coach, you wear multiple hats. And there are just three that I want to talk about. One is the coaching hat that you have before, while during practice time, then the coaching hat during a match and the coaching hat after a match, right? What is the way in which you have to deal with these different situations as a coach?
0: What I try to tell everybody is uh, there is not a cookie cutter. Every player is different. So some players during practice, we have to be a lot stronger, a lot tougher. Some players during practice, we can negotiate with them. Or you have to negotiate with them. All depends on the player. All the players, they could be nine years old, 10 years old, I guarantee you they're different. The the Mm -hmm. players that are gonna be stars, they are different from the beginning. And you have to treat them differently. You cannot treat everybody the same because you can't. So all those players that have that talent, that potential, we take them aside, you know. If he's a, a Celis, a uh a, a Jankovic, we take them all aside, and we have to train very, very differently. They're very different from one to another. So during practice, with some of them, we have to be more demanding. We have to be tougher. We have to be stronger. We have to be more of a you know, strong coach. With some of them, it's more of a negotiation. Okay, we're going to do this. We also want to do that. Okay, we're going to do half and half. You know, Especially with the, with the girls, you have to renegotiate a lot. You know? During matches, is the same. Like before the match, some players like to talk strategy the night before, and uh, they like to talk at length. Some of them get very nervous, so they don't want to talk strategy the night before. They they, want to do it the day before the match. And the day before the match, some of them want little information, some of them want a lot of information. So you have to know your player. And it's the same thing after the matches. Some players after the matches, you can talk to them right away. Lose or win, you have to talk to them, and some of them you have to wait until the next day because whatever you tell them, they, they put a barrier, they block you. So, as a high performance coach, you have to treat each player very differently because they are very different. And again, they could be nine years old, they could be twelve, they could be twenty-one years old. But if the advantage that I had is that I had the players usually from nine years old all the way until they were twenty-one, so they were like my my kids. I, I knew. Okay. I knew them. I, I could read them. I could. I could sense if I could talk to them, if I could be strong, if I could be easy during the match. The same, if I could tell them, "Come on!" Or oh, I. Oh, I could have to sit down and just cross my arms and I don't say a word. You know, because they were like that. Like, like Nishikori, for example. When Ishikori, I couldn't say a word. I couldn't. I couldn't make one gesture. When Nishikori, I had to sit down and be a statue. While all the guy, all the people, you know, with the girls, I had to go, "Come on!" You know. So there are the different aspects of the coaches. That depending on the player. But it's a very good question because because it's not a cookie-cutter. You have to know, same thing you have three kids in the family. You know, I have three kids, they're very different. Hmm. You know, some of them I can, one of them I can talk very straightforward, you all have to be easier, you all have to negotiate. They are different, but we have to know that they are different. How do you as a coach deal with when somebody wins and when somebody loses? Again, it all depends on the on the player. But we always, one, all oh, the uh, common things that all these players that made it had in common was that they have very bad memory. If they lost the <laughs> match, if they lost the match, that was it. you couldn't talk about it because they didn't know what I was talking about. Mm-hmm. So the, the, the good players forgot really fast. If they lost that match was finished, they, they forgot really fast. The players that didn't make it were the players that they lost the match and that match stayed in the back of their mind. I had them, um, you know, I couldn't won that match. If I would have won that match, I would have been number one, you know. It's, but the good players, I'll I, I tell you a story. I, I used to tape all of them. And after the match, we cut the tape, say, to three minutes long, maximum three minutes with the music that they liked. And we only put the points that they won. I mean, the good points that they won. No one point that they lost. No one point that the opponent lost is the points that they won. I promise you. In all my years coaching, none of the players watched one of the matches that they lost. Even if they only was to, to show them the great points that they won, they wouldn't watch it. Because they, they, they had, like I said, very bad memory. If they lost the match, i match, was or they were thinking about the tournament next week. That's what these champions think. They're always thinking ahead. They don't think in the past. The past is gone.
1: So do is it, you know, you normally say you learn from your mistakes, right? You learn from your mistakes and then you make a change. Had they learned from the mistake? Or was it a blind eye that they were transporting? Were they trying to escape from it? Like, how would you think about it?
0: The, the way we we do is if they lose a match the day after, you know, the, the way I approach it is, what do you learn from the match? That's all I ask them. I, I don't tell them, hey, you did this right, this wrong. No, no. What do you learn from the match? And they're very smart. So, so they usually give you the answers that, you know, that they were there. So the best lessons they can learn are the ones that they teach themselves. You know, and I also think with our kids, is the same. If they make a mistake and we ask them, mate, what do you learn from that mistake? Or what do you learn from this uh, experience? You know, they're not stupid. They will tell you exactly this is what I learned from that experience, I learned from it. But most of the times, what do we try to do as parents? You did this wrong, you did this wrong, this is what happens, you do it again, you know? And that's not the way. It's the same thing with the players. If I'm gonna tell them what they did wrong, they're gonna block me. But if I ask a mate, what do you learn from the match? I'm not even asking, what can you do better? No, what do you learn? They'll tell you exactly what they did right, what they did wrong, and that's it. I leave leave it at that and we move forward.
1: Amazing. It is just, what did you learn? It is not hopping over the loss. It is nothing. No could have, would have, should have. All of that is out. Let's see what we have to do next.
0: That's it. Exactly. What do you learn? You know, and then some of them are very positive and they say, well, you know, I could do this better or next time I can beat them because of this or that. Some of them get a little more negative. Man, I was, my backing didn't work or this didn't work. But it's them talking to themselves, not me telling them, telling them. So, you know, it's them teaching the lesson themselves.
1: Are world champions harder to coach or easier to coach?
0: What people don't understand is, you know, I look at them. Like I said, I made them. So I started with them since they were nine years old. So they were like my children. You know, I, I knew when they were up, when they were down, I, I knew what they were looking for, you know, what type of reinforcement they were looking for, but they made us better coaches. i, I tell you stories. For example, Shara Pova showed up every day. Okay, what is my objective for today? So I had to be prepared. I mean, I had to go to them knowing that this is what we're gonna, because she was little and she was asking me already, what, I'm, what is my objective for today?
1: At eight and nine, she's asking you, what is my objective for the day?
0: Nine years old, first day wow. of practice, first day of practice. She goes, okay, what what is my objective for today? What am I trying to accomplish today? And I say, Maria, I've never seen you play in my life. You know, you just showed <laughs> up, you know, but that was, that, that was Maria, nine years old, all of them were the same. Another example, I can see he, he's playing, you know, and, uh, and he's playing and he hit a good shot and I go, good shot. And he turns around, he goes, what does that mean? We will start, well, what does that mean? So when we gave him information, it had to be the proper information. We couldn't just give him information. So those players made us better, better coaches because they were asking more and more from us every time, in every way. Another example, the Sampras, he's coming 14 years old. He's coming to the net, he's getting past, he's, he's, he was losing. And in the changeover, I tell him, hey, select better when you go to the net. And he stopped and he goes, Gabe, I'm investing in my game. I mean, this, so you, you have to know how to deal with these players. You have to know, you know, but at the same time, if you are smart, they'll make you a better coach because they're gonna, they're gonna ask a lot from you and you have to be really prepared in whatever information you give has to be, it has to be precise. I love that. What is a good shot,
1: right? Normally we're so used to saying good, but it doesn't tell you anything. It doesn't give you any actual feedback. I love it so. Like more of this, less of that. What should I do? Amazing. So they actually pushed you to be better, and as a result, while you were making them, the the whole. I think it's, it's what you say, right? Like a tide raises all the ships. I think everyone works together and becomes better in the process.
0: I agree. I mean, I go from the very beginning when I started my coaching career, which I thought I was very advanced because I was coming from a very good background. I, I, at the time, I really think I was ahead at, uh, as a coach in terms of knowledge and. But these these kids, you know, every day they made me better and better and better. And and, and I look back and swear, you know, that I, I owe a lot of my coaching career to their input. You know, even if they didn't think that's what they were doing, that's what they did. They they made me a, a better coach.
1: Did you ever have like two people that you were coaching facing each other in you know, a in a match? Like, how do you decide what which one you're going to support at that time? It is it's two stories.
0: One is when mm-hmm. Agassi played uh, Courier in the finals mm. of the French Open. I knew that I couldn't sit on the stands because they see everything. I could be sitting way in the stands, not in, not in the coach's box, but if, but if I, in, they see everything. So I decided to go to Champs-Élysées and watch it on TV. I wasn't gonna watch it. And another time that is interesting is, that that you probably talk about it, is all these players are very superstitious. Yeah. You know, all of them are superstitious. So it's, it's, it's part of the routine, but it's a little bit different. So for example, the first time I traveled, I traveled with two girls, Lisa Bonder and uh, Carlin Bassett. And they were you know, seven and six in the world. And we went to Perugia, which was Italian open at the time. Mm -hmm. I traveled with two of them. So I had to have two breakfasts because they hated each other. So I had to eat breakfast with one, then breakfast with the other one. Lunch with one, lunch with the other one. But the interesting thing is we had to sit, if I sit with Carlin on one table, I had to sit with the same table every day. If I order eggs for breakfast, it was the same breakfast every day, the same lunch every day with the two of them. Th- that's the type of superstitions that they have. They made it to the finals. One play, uh, Car- one played uh, Chris Everett, and the other one played Navartilova. The bad thing, it was playing semifinals, and it rained, so they had to play at the same time. Hmm. So I couldn't watch the matches. So I, I-, I will go to Carlin Batsy's matches, he will throw me away. I will go to the other one, he send me away. So after three games I decided to go and, and sit in the bar. You know, nothing you could do. But I lost <laughs> I, I lost both players. On the way back to the French Open, I mean they sat in the back of the of, of the flight because they didn't want to be with me. And that was it. I lost both of them. So it's it's not easy, especially when they are that
1: that close. Yeah, especially like you said, children, right? Like you can't have a favorite child then, and, and you've grown up with them. And, and, and but they, I love the story about the superstitions, and it is all part of that routines and the rituals, right? Everything right. has to be the same. I don't want to think, why did he choose a porch deck today instead of a Friday?
0: No, exactly, but the superstition to me is, is like an illusion. I mean, it, 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 there are a lot of stories in superstition. If you know about, for example, Ronaldo. If he mm-hmm. travels on the plane, the, the soccer player. If he travels on the plane, he has to be the first one out of the plane. If he travel in the bus, he has to be the last one out of the bus. Mm-hmm. Michael Jordan, he used to play with the North Carolina shorts underneath his his, his, his uniform. You know, Bjorn Borg, you remember he didn't shave, he played with the same Fila shirt. You know, all these superstitions that they think they're gonna help them. But, but to me, superstition is an illusion. You cannot put emphasis on that because I think it will hamper your ability to compete. But but it's such a fine line that you know how can you tell the player when they feel they're gonna? You, you look at the soccer players when they when they step into the into the field, all of them touch the ground, they they go like this, and it's part of that superstition that it's part of their routines. But but it is is something that you know I don't know how much is going to help them. Is like I said, like like positive habits that can shape our lives. And, uh, and 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 they can determine success the, the athletes use repetition every day you know to to make sure those routines are perfect The routines are the ones that develop those habits because you talk a lot about habits but habits are only developed through through routines they have to be the right routines those rituals are the the, the and, and the routines what do they do they 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 give the players serenity you know they feel that they have control but the superstition is something that is an illusion I tried for them not to, you know, to stay away from them, but sometimes sometimes you can't.
1: It's the perception of control, right? Is that right. I think I have control. Right. It's absolutely that. Gabe, I've absolutely had a blast talking to you on this podcast. You know, thank you so much for coming on and having this conversation. How can people get in touch with you? How can people continue this conversation with you, the listeners who are listening right now?
0: No, I would love for them if they can read the book, I think for parents, because even though it talks about, like you say, a lot of it is tennis, you know, how to make champions. It is a, a book that uh, I think has a lot of insights in how to help uh, parents. This, this book is for parents. It's more about parenting. It's about how to deal with the players that have a potential, how to deal, not, not only in tennis, say in, in music, in, in, in arts, in, in math, you know? So it's something that you to help them a lot. And a, a big part of the book or one of the chapters dedicated to, to to basically routines because I really believe in routines. And I know that the, the books that you have uh, out, the last book that you put out for children, I, I think is, is very important that parents read those type of books because that's what is gonna make the the children who they're gonna be later on. They, they cannot yeah. wait to get bad habits and then try to change them because that's really difficult. It's like a stroke, like I said before. If you have the, high, the right habits, then it's a lot easier to make them better and stronger. But if you have the wrong habits to change them, it is very difficult. So I encourage the parents to read this type of literature to help their children. You know, to, to, you know, know, to it It's a big responsibility as parents we have. We cannot delegate that responsibility. So I think the more we know, the more knowledge we have, because there are not very many books out there on how to be a good parent or what to do. But I think this type of books can help them a lot.
1: Yes. Yes. And I think all parents want the best for their children. And if you can make them into champions, my God, I think that's like the holy grail for most parents. So, Absolutely. amazing.
0: That's what amazing. The parents want. They want the best for the children. And and that that's our, I said, the best investment we're going to make as parents is in our children. And I'm not talking about money. I'm talking about time, you know, to, to be, you know, to take him to practice, to, to pick him up, to take him to tournaments or to take him to, to extra school, whatever it is. That extra time is the best investment a is gonna make.
1: Gabe, it's been fantastic. Thank you, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. It's been brilliant.
0: No, I had the greatest time. I've been looking forward to talking to you for a long time. So I'm so glad that we're able to to meet and hopefully we can do it again.
1: Yes, we must, we must. I think there's so much that's coming to my mind that I want to ask you again. So maybe we'll do a part two on this
0: and it'll be a blast. I would love to. I would love to. And congratulations on everything you do. And congratulations on the podcast and the book. And keep it up. You're doing a great job. Keep it up.
1: Thank you. Thank you. Now, if you like this podcast, don't forget to check out other interesting podcasts on the IVM Network. You can listen to us on IBMpodcast.com. You can also follow us on social media. We are IVM Podcast on Twitter and Instagram. If you want to reach out to me, I am at Ashdin Doc on Twitter and Instagram. You can also go to my website, awesome180.com. Now I have just published my first book. It is called Change Your Habits, Change Your Life. Please do check it out on Amazon and wherever else you get your books.